Thank you, Jesus. All right. We're going to get into the Word. How many uh, enjoyed Tyler last week? It was, he was fire. If you have not heard it, or if you've missed, if you missed Sundays, you can go on to Spotify or our website, and there our sermons are there, so you can listen to ones that you have missed. And so if you've, every time I have gotten up to speak, I am going through the book of Ephesians. So if you have not heard the past messages on Ephesians, I would encourage you to go back and listen. I mean, we're going slow. We're still in Ephesians 1. But it is so full and rich that I, I am not willing to rush it through just for the sake of getting it done. Because there is so much in there that God is teaching us. And so today I'm going to continue in the book of Ephesians. And today we're going to take a portion of scripture that would seem really like a lot of words. And when you first read it, you're like, what is that saying? That was my reaction when I read it. I'm like, what are you saying here, God? But you know what? We don't, we don't pass by portions of scripture because we may not understand them on first read. Because everything in there is for our good. And God has it written it for our benefit. And so we're going to dive into this today. And I want you to stay with me because it is a word of hope. So today we're going to look at this statement. And this is the statement. God is a God of purpose. And since we are created in his image, we are a people of purpose. I'm going to read that again. God is a God of purpose. And since you and I are created in his image, we are a people of purpose. See, many people... And, and we sensed it this morning, Jeff did, live with a sense of hopelessness, despair, um, purposelessness. And you often, I don't know how many of you have asked yourself this question, but I have. What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? Like, what is the purpose of my life? Am I here just to struggle along until I die? And then what? Is that the purpose of life? But the book of Ephesians and what we have been studying takes those questions of hopelessness and purposelessness and it answers them. And so I'm going to do a quick review because I believe that in the Word of God, we need to remind ourselves of what God says because it is so easy to get lost in what everyone else says or what the world is saying about us and our situation that we forget. It's so easy to forget what God says about us. And so I'm going back just briefly to talk about what we've learned so far. So the first part of chapter one is all about our identity. And um, we learned that you were chosen before the foundations of the world. Before the world was created, you were chosen by God. And not only were you chosen, he destined for you to be adopted as his sons and his daughters. You are a part of a family. You have identity. You have a father. You have security. You belong. 
Then last week, Tyler got up and he spoke about the forgiveness and redemption of Christ. So we learn that through the blood of Christ, your ransom was paid. You are released from the power of sin. And we are not only redeemed, we're forgiven. And that forgiveness is full. That forgiveness is full. And as Tyler talked about last week, no ledger is kept. I know for a lot of us, we feel that, you know, we got, here we go, all the wrongs I've done. It's just God is keeping track of everything I've done wrong. And then as I start to do right again, some of those things get crossed off. That is a lie. That's what the enemy wants you to believe, to keep you in the cycle of religious duty. Do what's right. Don't do what's wrong. In Christ, we have continued forgiveness. We live and walk in forgiveness. And it's all because of the richness of his grace, which is continually being poured out upon us. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway, because he loves us. So this week, we're going to look at the purpose of God for the universe. What's his purpose here? And where we fit into that purpose. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your phone, I want you to open it to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And then I'm going to use the Passion as well. But for this, this uh, section, I'm going to use the English Standard Version. Ephesians 1, verses 9 to 14. I know that's a long portion of Scripture. Stay with me. Stay with me. Here we go. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Woo! That's a lot. Some of us might be like, why does it have to be so wordy? You know when you were in school and you had to do a 500-word essay and you get to like 450 and now you're just adding words to make it 500, right? I don't know. Was I the only one who did that? You're just like, I got to get to 500. Like sometimes it seems like that's what that was, right? Like he's just adding words to... But it's all intentional and there's a purpose to everything in this scripture. And so we're going to unpack it. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that in your word is truth. It's, it's a foundation that we can build our lives upon. And I pray today as we look at this portion of scripture, 
that the eyes of our heart would be um, illuminated, that you would open the eyes of our heart so that we would have wisdom and understanding in what you are saying to us for this time. I come against any distractions, any wandering minds, anything that would want to make us think on what we're doing next, what happened yesterday, what's going, going to happen this week. I just come against all those distractions now in the name of Jesus, and I pray that we would have a singular focus in your word, allowing you to speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Verse 9. If we look at verse 9, Paul tells us that we as believers have been taken in to the secret council of the Almighty. And he has made known to us the mystery of his will. And as you look at that word mystery, we're not talking, it's not a secret. Okay? It's not for um, it's not to not to be known. These mysteries are being revealed to us. And they are revealed to us as we have intimacy with the Father, friendship with Jesus, and we are in the presence of Holy Spirit. See, these are previously hidden truths that are now being made known to us. And you need to know that truth can only be revealed by God. See, this idea that you have your truth and I have my truth, and it's all relative, is a bunch of malarkey. Yeah, we'll say that. There is only one truth, and his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth can only be revealed through the Father. And this is why getting into your word is so important. And I am adamant about believers. If you are a son or a daughter, you need to be in your word. Because we are coming into a time and an age where Jesus warned us that the biggest thing we need to watch out is that we are not deceived. When the disciples came to him and said, tell us what's going to happen at the end. We want to know what's going to happen. Jesus, the very first thing he said was, be careful, you are not deceived. That means you need to know the truth. And the only way you'll know your truth is if you are in your word. There is no other way. Because as you read his word and you have intimacy with the Father, he reveals his truth to you. And this deception isn't going to be like, oh, like that? That doesn't even make sense. Although, although some of it is, and I still can't, understand how people can't see it. But it's little twists. It's little twists. Some of it's little twists, right? And if you do not know your word and you do not know the truth, you will be deceived. And so you need to get in your word. It's a must. It's a must. It's not a religious duty. It's a must so that you will not be deceived. And so what are the mysteries of his will? I was thinking that. I'm like, okay, so you have made known to me the mystery of your will. What is that? Well, some of it we already learned. That all are chosen. That all are destined to be adopted if they respond to, to the Father. Hello. Um, and that all are forgiven and all can be redeemed. Those are some of the mysteries. 
But as I meditated on this more, the Father began to reveal to me more of the mysteries of his will. Things like peace that passes all understanding. That we can give thanks in every circumstance. That we are to forgive our enemies. That he will provide for every need. That we can have joy in the midst of sorrow. These are mysteries that those who do not know the Father cannot understand. They cannot understand why you, who is going through such an awful circumstance in your life, can have so much joy, can have so much peace, that you can actually give thanks for this difficult circumstance. See, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of people, even to unbelief. So they can't even see the light of the gospel. They're so blinded. And unfortunately, many who call themselves Christians are also blinded by the God of this age. So important to know your word. But 1 Corinthians tells us, 4.1 tells us that we have been made stewards of the mystery of God. So what does that mean? That means that you and I, when the mysteries of the will, of his will have been made known to us, it is our responsibility to distribute them, to tell others about them, to allow them to shine through our lives so that people see them and begin to question, what's going on in your life? How can you be like this? How can you have peace when the world seems like it's falling apart? How can, right? We are to distribute these mysteries. We're stewards. And that's much of the problem we see today. See, the church as a whole has not been speaking of the mysteries that have been revealed to us. And so much of the world is in darkness and confusion. Jana, can you put up um, the Ephesians 9.14 now in the Passion? Because I'm going to move to that, the Passion Translation. So, if we look at this verse, the hidden mystery of his long-ranged plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. I said, God is a God of purpose. God has a purpose to what is going on in this world right now, and it's not like a spur of the moment, like, oh no, 2019, 2020, 2021 happened, and now I've got to put something together. God had a plan from the beginning of time that he put into motion. And what is the secret of his plan? Go to verse 10. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new, all things in heaven and earth through Christ Jesus. This is God's purpose. From the beginning of time, he has been working to unite all things in Christ Jesus. It is God's purpose that all the strands and warring elements in the world should be gathered into one in Christ Jesus. 
God's desire has always been unity. The enemy's division. You just need to look around right now. See, the enemy knows the word of God better than some of you. And he knows God's purpose. He knows where, where this is going. He knows that at, one, at, at some point, this is all going to be one under Christ Jesus. And he is doing his darndest to bring division and wreak havoc in the, these last days. And it's everywhere. The division is unbelievable. I know as you look at history and where the world is moving, you're like, how will this ever be united? Because quite the opposite is occurring. But that's exactly where God is moving. That's exactly what God is going to do. And when God means all things, he means all things. He means both the spiritual and in the natural. So the evil principalities and powers, which are right now warring against angelic, the angelic in the heavenly realms, the nations and cultures which are right now warring against one another, the individuals and families who are warring against one another, all this strife will cease and be united together under the headship of Jesus Christ one day. Philippians 2, 10 to 11 says this, The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm and in the earthly realm and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. This is our hope. That one day, this isn't like, oh, it may happen. No, this will happen. We have hope that on that day, everything will be united under the headship of Jesus Christ. And all sorrow will cease. All division will cease. All sickness will be healed. All brokenness will be mended. All strife and division will be over. This is our hope. I don't know what that does for some of you. Like, this is our hope, people. I think some of us have forgotten that this world is our only our temporary place. Like, some of us have, have thought that heaven is, is inferior to what, what earth is. I honestly believe that. Like, I don't want you to come back, Lord. I'm not ready for you to come back yet. I want to get married. I want to do this. I want to do that. Do you have any idea how great that day will be? It is far superior to what is happening on earth. I mean, we have all thought, like, if this could just all go away and it go back to how it was, it would be great. Like, that's our idea of, like, our hope. Like, we want it all to end, and our hope is that it all goes back to the way it was. No. We want to move towards that day when everything is united under the headship of Jesus. That is a great and glorious day. That is going to be awesome. Revelation, so I, I'm, I'm skipping ahead really. Our God is a God of purpose. So he's uniting everything under the headship of Jesus. He is making all things new. He is moving us towards that fullness of time. And he is in preparation for a wedding supper. Did you know that? God is in the midst of preparing a wedding 
Supper. And we, the church, are his bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. Revelations 19, 7 to 9 tells us about that day. Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and his bride, which is us, has made herself ready. Fine linen, shining bright and clear, has been given to her to wear. And the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for his bride, his church. So, if God is a God of purpose, and we created in his image are a people of purpose, what's my purpose? Let's look at verse 11. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were born. Just read that. Before you were born, he gave us our destiny. That we would fulfill the plan of God, who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Your destiny was determined before you were born. See, someone needs to hear that today. Because some of you think that you're an accident. That I'm just here by chance. That I have no purpose and I have no destiny. Acts 17.26 says, From one man, Adam, he made every man and every woman and every race. And he spreads us all over the earth. And he sets the boundaries of people and nations determining their appointed times in history. You are here. What's the date today? November 28th, in Medicine Hat, at Haven, not by accident. God set you to be here at this time in history. You are not here by accident. You are not here by accident. You need to know that. You have a destiny. God chose you for this time. Some of us are like, man, I wish I wasn't here during this time. Like, this is crazy. But you are here for this time because God destined that you would be here right now. And he, he determined that before you were born. You have a destiny. And what is that destiny? Verse 13 tells us. And because of him, when you who are not Jews, which is us, because we are Gentiles, unless you are a Jew here, and there may be, some, but for, the, for most of us, we're Gentiles, heard the revelation of truth. You believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. What is our destiny and purpose? One, the first thing is to hear. We heard the news, the good news of our salvation. We heard that we are chosen. We heard that we have been adopted. We have heard that we, have, we can be forgiven and we are redeemed. And then two, we believe. And I'm not talking about the belief that's just in your mind. I'm talking about the belief that transforms your heart. Because the belief that transforms your heart will transform your behavior. And as you begin, begin to believe what you've heard, you begin to live differently. You begin to make decisions differently. You begin to speak differently. 
You begin to see life differently. You begin to see people differently. And finally, we're sealed. We are marked by the Holy Spirit. And it's a mark to those around us that you belong to the Lord, to the Father. And because what the Father has given you, it just fills you and it flows to those around you. So we hear. Our purpose is to hear, it's to believe, and it's to know that we are sealed. Verse 14. He is given to us like an engagement ring. When we talk about that word seal, one of the meanings is actually engagement ring. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as an engagement ring. As the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. See, so you and I are the bride. And for those of us who have gotten married as women, we have preparation to do before that day, don't we? Like, there's things that we have got to do for that big day. We need to prepare ourselves and get ready. We make plans. We get, you know, as the day gets closer, we get our, we go for hair appointments. We go for dress fittings. We go get makeup trials. We do this. We're getting ready for that big day. And so Holy Spirit has been given to us like an engagement ring. It's like, here you go. There is a wedding coming. And now I want you to begin preparing yourself. And as the bride, we are getting ready for our bridegroom. And that's part of our purpose. Our purpose is to begin to get ready for the return of our bridegroom. That means we're going to have to allow Holy Spirit to purify us, to refine us. See, there are things in our lives that are making us not ready for the bridegroom. We need to allow Holy Spirit now to begin to, to work on those things in our heart and our lives to get us ready. It's no longer one foot in the world and one foot over here. That's not going to cut it anymore. It's two feet here. I'm all in, God, whatever you need to do in me to get me ready for the return of your son. There's a parable in the Bible, you know, the great wedding feast where the king has prepared a wedding uh, feast for his son and he says to his servants, go out and get the people to come in for the feast. And they go out and they come back and they're like, no one's coming. No one wants to come. And the king's like, go out again. And so they go out again. And people are like, I don't have time right now. I've got a business to run. I'm going to go and do this. And some actually shamed and mocked them and persecuted them for coming out and trying to invite them to this wedding feast. And so the king said, go out. Go out into the alleyways. Go out into the roadways, to the broken, to the hurting, and bring them in for the wedding feast. And it's a picture of the father preparing the, the wedding feast for his son. And he is sending out, us out to gather people in for that final day feast. 
And there are going to be those who don't want to come to the feast. There'll be those who say, I'm not ready. Sorry, God. I'm not ready to go to the feast. But there are going to be those as we go out to the broken, to the hurting, to those that you would think are the least, the outcasts. We're to go to them and we're to invite them into the feast. That's part of our purpose. That is part of our destiny. To prepare ourselves and then to go out and call others to come. Because there is coming a day and everything will be united under the headship of Christ. And he will come back and he's going to claim us as his possession. And we are going to receive our full redemption at that time. We're going to experience true redemption, true freedom, and it's all for the purpose of the glory and honor of God. We're getting ready. I love that song. I had to play it this morning as I was driving. I've got to put on that song. We're getting ready. We're getting ready for you. Are you getting ready for him? Are you getting ready? He's coming. He's coming. The plan is continuing to move towards that fullness of time. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask Janelle to come. This is a message of hope. Some of you may be like, what? Where's the hope? <laughs> There's hope that one day all this will cease and we will rule and reign with Jesus forever. It is coming. But there's hope for you now. It's not for you just to survive here in the meantime to get to that day like crawling. Oh, Jesus, I made it. <laughs> no, it's the hope that right now you have a destiny and you have a purpose and it's not just something off the cuff that God just thought up because, oh, you're here. I didn't realize that you'd be here at this time. I guess I got to think of something for you to do. He determined it before the beginning of time. Like before you were born, he knew where you were going to be placed, where you were going to live, what time period you were going to live in. He marked that out for you. You are not an accident. You have hope. And so for those that, that are, um, like Jeff talked about, despair, right? Because your despair is on like what I'm seeing right now. Like what I'm seeing, it is depressing. And there is a lot of despair. And if I keep my eyes there, I'm going to live in that despair. But if I take the truth of his word and I begin to focus on that and keep my eyes on him, and the soon returning coming king, I have hope. And I have a purpose. And I have a destiny. And that I'm here for a reason. And though the enemy has come and tried to take me off my purpose and off my destiny, I'm coming back to that. For some of you, the enemy has taken you off your purpose and destiny and made you believe that um, at one point you believed you had the destiny, but you screwed up so much that he can never use you anymore. It's time to come back to 
the realization that you have a purpose, you have a destiny. Some of us, things have happened in our lives, like not good things. We've experienced trauma. We've experienced hard things. We've experienced difficult circumstances. And our eyes have shifted downwards. And we need to shift our eyes upwards. I'm going to invite our, our prayer team to come up once again. And I believe what Rob said. I believe that, you know, there were those who responded, but there are a lot more here who feel that despair, that hopelessness, that you've lost your hope because of life. Because it is hard. God didn't promise that this life would be easy. Like, if you can find that in Scripture, I'd like you to show it to me because I, I don't see that. But what He did promise is that He is with us. And that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in governments. Our hope is not in the natural, but our hope is in Him alone. That's the mystery of His will, that our hope is in Him alone. And some of you need to um, have a revelation of that this morning. And so I'm going to invite you to come. Like, if you have that sense of dread, despair, discouragement, hopelessness, purposelessness, pray with you. Sometimes you just need someone else to pray with you, to help you pass that hump, that wall. Because for some reason you're just not able to. And so I don't want you to leave here today. If you leave here today feeling hopeless and despair and discouragement, that's your choice. It has nothing to do with God. Because He is here to give you hope. To fill you with that. So let's stand together. I thank you, God, that you are a God of hope, that you are coming back. I thank you that even now you are moving to us towards that fullness in time when we will be united under your Son, Jesus. That all striving and all um, discouragement and sickness and brokenness will end and we will be united under your Son. I thank you that we have purpose. We are a people of purpose. We have hope. And we're to share that hope with others around us. And I pray for those today who are struggling with discouragement and hopelessness and purposelessness. I pray that you give them the courage today to step forth to step out and come and be encouraged in prayer and to have some lies broken off of them and mindsets broken off of them and religion broken off of them and freedom come in Jesus' name. So I thank you, God. I thank you. We're getting ourselves ready. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're getting ready for you, Jesus.